Welcome to Your Shelf, or mine, or mine, or mine. I'm Becky Standall, Youth Services Librarian at the Longview Public Library. And I'm Joe Dallas, Programming Technician at the Longview Public Library. I'm Karen Rasmussen, daughter of Archie and Lida Anderson. And I'm Diane Birch, youngest daughter of Archie and Lida Anderson. Thank you for coming on to our podcast. So we've been doing these special centennial episodes of the podcast this year, and we're so happy to have you guys here to talk about your family. In celebrating Longview Centennial, we thought it would be interesting to get to know the people behind the names. Everyone is familiar with Archie Anderson Park, but who is Archie Anderson? With me today and Becky is Diane Birch and Karen Rasmussen, the two youngest daughters of Archie Anderson. So tell me about Archie Anderson. Well, he was born 100 years ago, April 20th, 1923, in a little town in Minnesota, Rushford, Minnesota, or out the outskirts of Rushford. He is one, was one of two children, and I was the youngest born in Winona. My three older sisters were all born in the same hospital, and... Dad was having, he never had any formal education. Him and our mother both graduated from the eighth grade, and that's all the education that he had. And they married young. He was 19, she was 18. And then in 1953, they moved from Winona, Minnesota to Longview, Washington. And that's where we grew up, uh, two blocks from the current Archie Anderson Park. Do you remember your address? Oh, yes. <laughs> what was it? 321 19th Avenue. All right. Um, I'm on 23rd, so really nearby. Dad drove by the what now is the Archie Anderson Park every day, Monday through Friday, on his way to Warehouser for work. He had a love for children, and anything to do with that put a smile on his face. He was a man of few words, but I was told by many people that he came in contact with through different organizations that when Dad spoke, everyone listened because he was very well respected in many, many ways. What kind of influence did he have on your life? Dad was a very loving and caring individual. He, because I was the last one home, I was able to spend a lot of time with mom and dad. Um, he taught me how to dance. He, of course, it was the old ballroom dancing. It was waltz and shottish and polka because of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And he enjoyed people. He was a people person. Didn't matter if it was someone that was just on the street, governor, representatives, state representatives, actors, um, Our parents were involved with politics, Democrat at the time, and so they were very involved with Julia Butler Hansen and 
Scoop Jackson and Senator Magnuson. Our parents would get Christmas cards from all of them every year. Arlie DeJarnett, who also was a representative from Longview here. I went to school with two of his children. Karen went to school with one of his daughters, Arlie DeJarnett. And he was, he would talk to anybody and he didn't matter. He was very involved in Longview. He was on the drug task force committee. He was on the committee to uh, select one of the police chiefs, which we felt very honored um, just knowing that he only had an eighth grade education. He didn't have any college education. And then when the Highlands Area Renewal Project started up, him and our mother became very involved with that. And he became president of it. Uh, he was instrumental in getting Warehouser involved and some of the other businesses involved in Wave Day, where they would have one day a year where they would go through the alleys between Ocean Beach and Oregon Way, the <coughs> one, two, three, and 100 blocks. Not so much the 400 blocks, because those on the east side of Beach, I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm trying north to think, side? north side maybe of Beach, um, those houses were always nicer, yards kept up, but because of his involvement with HARP, I believe that's why there were two people and a couple of people in Longview that after he died very suddenly in 1999, that they were instrumental in getting Highland Park renamed after Dad. Those two people were, at the time it was the auditor, Terry McLaughlin, and John Jacobs, who was on the Park and Rec Board. And we, like I said, we felt very honored, and we knew that Dad was smiling down because he had such a love for children and a love for the community. He and Mom dedicated their lives to HARP. They would spend 40-plus hours a week there. They were instrumental in getting a dentist to come in and um, have services there for low-income people, especially children. And after Dad was gone, Mom went ahead, and I had to teach her how to drive because otherwise she would have to wait for one of us to pick her up from her house and take her to HARP. And then she would have to wait for us to come pick her up. So I finally got her to get behind the wheel again. It had been many, many years since she drove. So she did that. And then it, it got to be, I think, more than what she could handle. Maybe it was too many memories about Dad up there. But um, she decided to not go to quit and start her life of retirement, which she had been retired from work for a number of years. So... Anyway, they did a lot for the community. I'm just wondering, how old was she when you had to reteach her how to drive? Well, that would have been in 2000. So she would have been, she was born in 24, so 76. Wow. Oh, wow, that's that's incredible. So, yeah, very brave. When did the, the acronym is HARP, right? Right. When did HARP start? I believe it started in... About 1980, maybe 1988. So do you remember any lessons that your parents would have taught you? 
He taught us all how to drive. <laughs> and he was one that he saw more driving than we did as passengers. He never had an accident. Well, let's see. I think he had two accidents. One, both of them were in parking lots. But he never had an accident on the freeway. Every other year from about 1965, we would go either to Minnesota or Montana on vacation back to see relatives. Our mother had a brother and sister in Montana and then many relatives back in Minnesota. While he was in Montana, he would help with the harvesting. Um, the one sister and her husband had wheat farms. And Dad just delighted on getting on that machinery and working from daylight to, to dusk. Just speaking from someone that also grew up in a snowy climate, I grew up in Canada, so I know that uh, you really learn to drive well when you have to drive in the snow and ice roads. <laughs> I also have, have never had an accident. <laughs> so you mentioned that your parents were involved with HARP. Do you know what they did there? Like, how did they help their community? Our dad was instrumental with the fact that he would drive up and down the alleys, and Bud Clary Chevrolet donated a pickup to HARP, and so that's what he drove. He would go up and down the alleys. He would pick up any garbage that was strewn around. He would, any people who, older people, and sometimes younger ones, that were in the neighborhood that had houses where the grass was longer. He would mow their lawns, all free of charge. Like Karen said, he spent, they both spent 40 plus hours a week. Generally, the harp office was open from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m., Monday through Friday. While he was out in the yards doing yard work, whatever was needed, our mother then was in charge basically of the office. She would answer the phones once uh, Dr. Schoenberg, the dentist that started working out of the HARP office, she would make the appointments for them, for the people coming in. She would check in the children, set up any repeat appointments that were needed, and she was in the office. He was outside working. He also, uh, there would be people that had to work off fines, and so he would be there. It, it wasn't that he actually did all the work by himself, they would be working there, and most of the time he would take them and feed them lunch because they came from the jail to work, and then they would go back to the jail at night. What do you think inspired your parents to do so much work like that for the community? To be quite honest, I don't know. I never really asked him. Mm -hmm. I just know that he enjoyed being around people. He worked at Warehouser Pulp Mill from 1953 until December 20th, 1984, when he retired. I remember that day very well because it snowed a lot and I had three children, uh, young ones, including twin daughters that were only three months old that were in a daycare up on the Columbia Heights and I had to drive in about mm, a foot of snow up to get them. So I remember that day very well. Once he retired and not being around people at work every day, I think he probably got bored and just wanted to be out and about. And they did some traveling once he retired. Um, he retired early because he wanted to be able to do traveling and not be tied down. Uh, he had had some work 
acquaintances that they worked until they were 65, they retired, and within a couple of months or a year, they were gone. And he didn't want that. He wanted to be able to enjoy life. Uh, like I said earlier, he was taken from us very unexpectedly. We actually found out about two and a half weeks before he passed that he had acute myeloid leukemia. And so it was uh, very much of a shock to all of us. Yeah, I always think in those cases it's easier for the person, but so hard for the family because it's so shocking. I was very blessed. I happened to have the week of Thanksgiving off, so I was able to spend it with him up in the hospital, and Mom kept the harp office open. He insisted that she keep the harp office open, so when she was done at 5 o'clock, I would go get her, and we would sit in the hospital with Dad. That's very touching. Of all the accomplishments of your parents, what are you the most proud of? Dad was a very honest person, very passionate and and, um, had a lot of compassion. I don't know. What do you think, Karen? (laughs) Well, he truly loved people. He loved to be around people. He um, always said, you know, that he could talk to anybody, whether they were you know, a millionaire or a pauper, it made no difference to him. Um, He would get involved, and as I said before, the people that I came in contact with after Dad passed and when they decided to rename the park, they said, you know, one of the things that we knew is if Dad had a comment that everybody would listen because although he was a man of few words then, they knew that it was something that they needed to address. So, and he was very compassionate, and he loved children. He loved to dance. He taught all of us how to dance. And as big of a man as he was, because he was like six two, it was like you were dancing on a feather. He could just glide you around, and we had the most fun doing that. When we would go back to Minnesota in the summer times on vacation, there was no, you know, there it was a rural farming community, and they would have. Saturday night barn dances, and we would go. Those are lovely memories. Do you have any things that he did that you guys are also doing that you carry on in your life right now? Like any um, any uh, lessons that he taught you that you you continue on? Just how to be a loving parent and grandparent, because he he was that type of person. Our parents always went out and visited family, and their door was always open. We have cousins that remember always going to Archie, you know, Aunt Lida and Uncle Archie um, for Christmas. Christmas Eve, he would have Santa Claus come over. They remember that very well. And he taught my son how to mow grass. Uh, we were fortunate um, in some ways, other ways unfortunate, uh, due to financial situations when my children were growing up that we happened to live right across the street from my from my parents. And so they got to spend a lot of time with Grandma and Grandpa. They always involved the children in whatever they were doing, whether it be inside the house with Mom or outside with Grandpa. All of our children loved Grandpa and grandma. 
He was very friendly. He was always jovial. He liked to play with the kids. He would be outside throwing balls with them or teaching them, you know, riding a bike. He would uh, quite often when he was working, he would ride the bike from house up to Weyerhaeuser. At work, he rode bike around. He was uh, a lube mechanic for all the years that he worked at Weyerhaeuser. They also were involved in selling Watkins products. Uh, both when they were back in Minnesota before they moved out, uh, they worked on the warehouse, or excuse me, the Watkins experimental farms. Uh, we had relatives that were very involved with Watkins, both in the plant and our mother's dad was a security guard for many years at the Watkins plant in Winona, Minnesota. In later years, mom and dad sold Watkins products again out of their house and uh, they always had a booth at the fair where they sold the Watkins products. Dad was not a mechanic. Dad was not a carpenter. Um, I can remember when he would be outside changing the oil in his go-to-work car. I would be out there with him side by side. He, I think of my dad as my hero, or our dad as my hero. I always tell people, you know, that... He could walk on water without getting his feet wet in my eyes. Oh, that's nice. Are there any funny stories that you remember <laughs> or that people tell about him? Well, we know of them, but <clears throat> not so much other people. They probably will after this podcast, however. Before our mother died, we were going through some of her things, and we found four tickets that our dad had gotten over the years. And one of them was for driving too slow <laughs> rather than too fast. The other three were too fast, but the one going too slow was because he was on the freeway. I believe they were going to Woodland, and there was a car behind him that was too close, he thought, to, them, to him. And so he just kept slowing down more and more, hoping that wanting the car to pass them. Unbeknownst to him, it was a state patrol. <laughs> So he got a ticket for going too slow. One of the tickets was from up around Olympia, the one in Kelso, well, Kalama, I believe, and then one in California, and I don't know, can't remember where the other one was, but why our mother kept those four tickets, have no idea, <laughs> but we found them. Um, would you be willing to share a happy or sad memory? I think you've shared some already, but do any any others come to mind? Dad was not, he was not athletic. <laughs> uh, didn't know the first thing about football. Both of my sons were involved with junior high and then high school football. As they well would, as our oldest nephew. Yes, and they would... They would make it a point to come to all the games to cheer them on. And even when they, like my oldest son, um, their team went to state, and they even rode the Reuter bus up with me up to watch him play in then the T Tacoma Dome. They were very dedicated to family. Anything with family, you know, they were right there. Probably the saddest thing that I had to do was we would make it a point to have we called it the Anderson Christmas. It would be near Christmas, but it would be when their four daughters and families, and of course mom and dad would get together and have um, 
a dinner and exchange gifts and whatever. I had one of the bigger homes, and so it was always up to me to have the Anderson Christmas. And that year, it took everything I had not to be <laughs> blubbering the whole time because he should have been there. Because he passed away on December 5th, 1999. So <clears throat> that first Christmas was hard for all of us. Um, but he was, uh, when my children were younger, he played Santa Claus for a couple of years. And I have a picture of my three children sitting on Grandpa's lap, not knowing that it was Grandpa. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Well, I knew it was Grandpa, and I knew I had a picture somewhere of him with me sitting on his lap because he used to do it, I believe, for the Eagles uh, Christmas party. And I finally found that picture, <laughs> and it is, it's one of the many things that I treasure of his. After he passed, too, he had the... He always carried his lunch in a metal lunch box. Closed with the big cotter pin. Yeah. And it's because the hinges had gotten, you know, where you flip them up off that they were worn out. So he had this great big metal pin and he carried that for many, many years. So when we were cleaning out the childhood home, that was one of the things that I wanted because he not only... I mean, I can remember him. That, to me, is priceless because every time I look at it, I think of him. Oh, that's so nice. Do they have any, like, particular close friends in the neighborhood? They did have. They had um, neighbors across the street and next to them. Cora and Orville Blonji was one. They owned a duplex right next door to our mom and dad. And then they moved to Onalaska area. And our mom and dad bought actually that property next to them and tore down the duplex. Um, I remember, I can remember though, because I was the youngest and home last, uh, but when growing up, I was probably seven, eight, somewhere around in through there. I remember our mom and Mrs. Blonji and our grandmother making soap, lye soap. In uh, the extra unit there at next door, and then across the street was Alice Gunn, and I don't remember her husband's name, but Alice lived to be 104 years old. Wow. One of her grandsons now lives in that house, and then our parents also bought. It was a little house across the street and down two houses that they purchased, and. Three of their daughters lived there. At one time <laughs> at, at or another. Right, at one time or another. And then their oldest grandson also lived there. But yeah, the very first football game that they ever went to, I was in band in high school. And because we were going to be performing on the field, they came and sat right behind the band, which was right by the drums. <laughs> so after halftime, I went up and I said, you can go home now. You don't have to stay here. But they came to watch me march on the field, which they were always involved for whether it was one of us four girls that were doing something in school or our children, their grandchildren. They were always made a point of being there. That's wonderful. So both of you, you weren't born in Longview, but you grew up in Longview. Is that correct? Right. Our oldest sister, who just turned 80, 
on the 12th of May. They, her and our next to the oldest sister, who is 16 months, 18 months younger than our oldest sister, they both started school in Kessler. They, I believe they were probably, Joanne was probably in sixth grade, Marie in fifth. And so they started school in Kessler once we moved out here. And then all four of us girls, basically, Kessler, Kessler Elementary, Elementary, the old Kessler, <laughs> uh, Monticello, and then R.A. Long. And we were a mile and nine-tenths. Our house was a mile and nine-tenths from R.A. Long. And we, because there was no school bus then, we went, because our dad was at work at 7 o'clock in the morning, we would walk from the house all the way to R.A. Long. So, yeah, we found out how long that was. <laughs> However, as soon as we got our license, we had the use of the family car to go to school and because dad always had an old go-to-work car that he would use. So the family car then was available for us girls to use. So what did you do during the summer when you were off from school? Did you ever have jobs? or I, could, I can remember. Um, I think, Di well, Diane was a toddler. They had bean fields out in the Willow Grove area. So when the bean picking was on, dad would take it his four daughters and wife out to the bean fields in Willow Grove to pick beans. And then when he got off from work, he would come pick us up. That was some extra money that they, you know, had. They lived from paycheck to paycheck with only one income and all those mouths to feed. But they, they did it and very, very proud of them. And it was brought to my attention not long ago by a, by a family member, a cousin that, she thought that we were rich because we took a vacation every year, <laughs> which was so untrue. But, you know, he loved his family, and he'd do anything for any of us. He was a man of simple means, but with the biggest love for his family and his community that anybody could ever have. Did you guys used to play in the park that's named after your dad mm -hmm. now? Oh, yes. Karen and I, uh, we would go down there during the summer when they had the craft items. I can remember going down there and working in the cold plaster, uh, making some, I think um, I can remember making a squirrel and painting it. And I don't know how often they had it, but we would ride our bikes down to the park or walk because it was only two and a half blocks. And we were very surprised when the park was named after him. And we feel very honored that the, that the city council agreed to doing that. It's, it's a lasting memory, and the fact that Longview has chosen to do so many upgrades to that park, I feel very blessed that they do that. It's, it's very it, humbling. Yeah, it's a living tribute to Dad, and he would be so honored. And Mom, I know they... She kept involved as long as she lived in Longview. They had her, you know, as far as um, when they did all the remodeling down there and, and did a lot of things in the park to upgrade the park. She was kind of like the, the guest of honor, and she just appreciated all of that because she was a giving person, too. She's a little bit harder around the edges, but... Dad always had the smile on his face. It was kind of like when he died 
she closed herself off from anybody other than immediate family. And that's when I recognized the fact that dad was the one that was the extrovert in their, in their uh, marriage and mom was the introvert. And she almost became, I don't know what you would call it, but she didn't go outside the realm of the family with, with anything that she did. So, Was there um, like a dedication ceremony when they renamed the park? There was, and Warhauser donated the first sign that was beautiful, was beautiful marble. Yeah, not so much anymore. Now it's wood (laughs) with just his name. But it was marble, uh, or granite, excuse me. It had pine trees on one end because uh, of him working with Warhauser. And there is also a tree that Warhauser planted that has been replaced three times because of vandalism. And unfortunately, because of vandalism at the park, that they destroyed the first beautiful sign. But yes, there was a dedication of the park. Um, Little League, Central Little League, used to play there at the fields. And the summer after our dad died, they had us there to throw out the first ball. And it was actually my son that did. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a moving tribute. And now the library has, the and the Parks and Rec Department have put the story walk at, at your dad's park. Right, now. they did. And they also have had the basketball tournaments, which because I now live in Vancouver and I don't get the daily news, I don't get to hear what's all going on. Uh, but I did find out about the story walk and I was very... Glad that I came up and met Joanne. Yeah, that's how we I knew to contact you. Yes, it was. <laughs> and it was a cold day that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Became very chilly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thinking about future generations and knowing that they may hear this recording, is there wisdom or advice you would like to share with them? Everyone has a story. It doesn't hurt anyone to smile. Sometimes that may be the only thing that will uplift someone else's day. You don't have to have a ton of money in order to be able to impact people. Opening a door, saying please and thank you, and have that smile for people goes a long way in life. And I totally agree with all of that. Thank you. (laughs) I have one more thing I would like to add. When Dad died... Um, Of course, by that time, we used to have an afternoon paper, but they had switched it to morning. And none of us knew that they did a front page article on Dad, which was very moving and humbling to us. And they did two future articles on him, even covering his funeral which was held at the church that they attended, Grace Lutheran Church. And it was held on a Saturday, and there were people from all walks of life, every, everyone from the current chief of police to the mayor attending. And I know Dad was smiling down on all of us because, you know, those were his friends. He didn't care what you did as far as a job or a position. He was not a... He, he didn't want the attention. He was background worker that got things done. 
So we, like I said, we as a family felt very honored that they paid tribute to him like that. Like I said, he, he was perfect in my eyes and will always be. And I thank the city for renaming the park because that was probably one of the greatest honors he could ever be given. Also, something that both of us forgot to mention was that Dad was also very involved with the unions um, for Warehouser, uh, the AWPPW, and he was sergeant-at-arms for many years through that and attending conventions. Um, he knew Robert's rules of order, frontwards and backwards. <laughs> you asked about what he instilled in us was a very good work ethic. If you worked for someone, you worked. You did not sit back and twiddle your thumbs. And now we're all retired, but I worked in health insurance for very many years. And because of the strong work ethic that both of our parents instilled in all of us, it was very difficult with the younger generation to uh, see their the younger generation, a lot of them would, even though they were getting a paycheck, they were not doing what they were being paid for. They would rather sit back and talk and be around the office and not doing work, which was very hard because our parents were very, you know, if they had a job, you did the job. You, you, didn't did, it, you did it to the best of your ability. You did not shirk work. Yeah, shirk your responsibility. Um, one more thing. <laughs> Mom and Dad, after he was retired and with their involvement with Watkins and setting up at the fairgrounds, they were king and queen one year. <laughs> <laughs> they were also first citizens one year, first citizens of Longview. Wow, that, that's really impressive. I had searched for your father in our online archive the library's online archive and found a photo it was like a group photo he was in that was about it looked like it was from some newsletter and it was about the city had applied to be some sort of like usa city right could you tell me about that it was uh yes they were both involved in 75th anniversary no it wasn't the 75th anniversary it was trying to get Longview to be one of the, I think, 10 cities nationwide. And the convention, I guess, so to speak, was back in Kansas City. And Ramona Lieber, Ramona Rogers Lieber, she would be the one to contact about more information on that because she was also very involved in that. Uh, Dennis Weber as well. I went to school with both of them. So, yeah, Dad's uh, funeral it was the police chief was there, the current mayor of Longview, the former mayor of Longview, both were Ramona and Dennis and, you know, many other people. But, yeah, Ramona would be the one really to check that with that. Yeah. And I think it was the same year as the 75th anniversary because mm -hmm. um, there was this, another piece on that page from that newsletter. Do you remember, did they go to that yes. convention? Oh, yes, yes. they went. Okay. That's very cool. In fact, I still have the their name tags that they had <laughs> with all of the pins from the different uh, some of the different other cities. Cool. 
Mementos. Yeah, and I have, I don't know if if anybody remembers, but the um, credit union that's up on Washington Way right before you get to the mill would have a thought of the day or maybe it was thought of the week or whatever and discovered after Dad passed uh, when we were going through papers that he would take his check stub and he would write that on there. And so I have those in his lunch pail, too, along with some of his union buttons. Uh-huh. Wow. <laughs> After we all grew up, whenever our parents went out of town, they always brought something back for each one of us. One year they came back from Minnesota with four wagon wheels, <laughs> one for each one of their daughters. Uh-huh. Uh, did, they, did they drive? They always drove. Uh, they rented from, a U-Haul trailer to call home a whole bunch of stuff one time from an auction back there. <laughs> yes, because they loved going when they went, would go back to Minnesota to visit family. They loved going to auctions. And yes, one year they went and they came back with a pulling a U-Haul trailer, which I dreamt about the summer before the winter before that I could see them driving home with the U-Haul trailer with a bunch of stuff in it. Of course, it was also the year that I bought an antique parlor set back in Minnesota that they hauled back in that <laughs> same U-Haul trailer, along with the four wagon wheels. <laughs> and I still have my wagon wheel. I thought of one other thing. When we were growing up, of course, you know, we always went to church every Sunday. Every other Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday we went to church. <laughs> the youngest didn't yeah, go yeah, every Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's a running joke because I won't argue with her, and, and she's always looking up stuff, and I'll say something, and she'll be looking up, and I'll say, okay, Diane, go ahead, prove me wrong. And then if she does, whatever. <laughs> but, but when we were growing up, of course, Mom and Dad bonded when they were dating over, they both loved ice cream. So they would go, after they were married, they would go to wherever, and they would each get a pint of ice cream, and they would sit and eat this pint of ice cream. So our treat was, if we were good, we would go for a drive, and then we could stop and get an ice cream cone. And that was our treat. (laughs) So lots of good memories there. Right. Where did you go in town? Do you remember where you got ice cream in town? I don't remember because sometimes we would head out like we were going towards Long Beach, but we wouldn't go that far. And it was just to take a little drive, you know. Dad never tired of driving, Mm. ever. I mean, I can remember, and Diane was, well, in fact, Diane wasn't even, you weren't even, were you born when Dad's mom, Grandma? I was four years old. When Grandma died? No. Six. She died in 1958. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, got the call uh, that she had passed. She had an aneurysm, and so it was suddenly. um, She was only like 58 years old. And got the car packed up. We had a 1955 Chevrolet, and all, all of the kids, all of us kids, and mom and dad and then mom's nephew went back for the funeral. Now we're talking March, going through the Midwest with the snow and ice. Dad would stop occasionally to have coffee and whatever, but he would drive, most of the time he drove nonstop. 
and when we would travel back to Minnesota, a lot of times we wouldn't stop in a, we wouldn't stop, we would stop and cut bank at the one sister, spend the night, and then we would go on to Minnesota, but we wouldn't motel it. Very rarely would we stop in a motel. It was driving straight through, and he did all the driving. Wow. That's, I've done that. That's a very long drive. Mm-hmm. But he loved to drive, and I think that he passed that on to me because I love to drive. And I don't. <laughs> no, I'm the same. And and back then, there you wouldn't have had front wheel drive. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and probably not power steering oh, no. either. It yeah. was standard. So <laughs> right. yes, we all learned how to drive stick shift right. on the column. It's impressive. <laughs> in March in Minnesota. <laughs> Was there anything else you guys could think of to share? Just that every all of his family that was old enough to know him loved him. They all remember Grandpa. They all loved their grandparents, our mom and dad. And our mother died five years ago, and she missed him every day. It was a unique relationship that they had. <laughs> uh, we'll say that. Our mom basically ruled the roost, as you say. But dad loved her. And he stuck, you know, they stuck by each other through thick and thin. Uh, whether they were scraping nickels and dimes or had a little bit of money. Or, uh, or when the smelt were in, we would have smelt for dinner for probably three, four nights in a row. And I, to this day, I will fix them for somebody, but I cannot stand the look and smell. <laughs> I've had them, too. They're very oily. Did you guys go catch them? No, he was fortunate enough somebody would give him a five-gallon bucket. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That would be one of our uncles. And you don't catch them. You dip them. Right, (laughs) right, yeah. Use a big smelt nut. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate because I got married later in life, and I was fortunate to go on two overseas trips with mom and dad. Went to Germany, and it was mom and dad, one of our cousins, and myself. And we rented a car, and dad had me drive the entire way. Um, He sat back, and he looked around, and it was a Volkswagen bus. And uh, fortunately, we were told when we picked up the car that if you see someone coming, if you're driving on the Autobahn and you see lights behind you, pull over. And I'm talking headlights, not red and blue flashing lights, um, because it would be a car going very fast. And even though I was going 70 and 80 miles an hour, there were people that were passing me probably going 100. Oh, wow. But I did all the driving on that trip. That's impressive. Okay, well, thank you again, uh, Diane and Karen. It's been so lovely to learn about your family. And uh, thank you for sharing with us for our centennial. Thank you for honoring our dad like the city of Longview has done. It is very much appreciated. We knew what a great man he was, and now other people know too. Thank you, everybody, for listening to your show. Or mine. Or mine. Or mine. I'm Becky. I'm Joe. I'm Karen. And I'm Diane. Bye. Support for Your Shelf or Mine comes from the friends of the Longview Public Library, the Longview Library Foundation, and listeners like you. 
Your Shelf Mind jingle is written and performed by Megan McKeldery from A Song For You. Find Megan online at ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldery. That's M-E-A-G-H-A-N-M-C-E-L-D-E-R-R-Y. ReverbNation.com slash Megan McKeldery.